Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So hello everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Euro Trip with me, Rob, and, as ever, you, James. Yes, hi Rob, you've been on your very own Euro Trip of your own this weekend, haven't you? I definitely have, yeah. I am uh, fresh from my trip to the Balkans. I was in uh, Zagreb, the capital of Croatia. Uh, didn't hear a single bar of Guilty Pleasure by Mia Dimsic while I was there, if you're interested. Oh. I know. Uh, and also hopped over to Ljubljana in uh, in Slovenia while we were there. And again, not a jot of uh, LPS, last pizza slice. How very disappointing. I went on a much less adventurous trip earlier today, popped to a coffee shop and did hear some Eurovision conversation. So hold on. So not even a Eurovision song, but some Eurovision conversation. Popped to the shop, popped to the coffee shop and over the staff radio, Mika was playing and somebody said, ah, he's doing Eurovision this year. And I thought, fantastic. I'm going to engage in this Eurovision conversation. But then sadly, another staff member said, and this is a trigger warning, everybody. Another staff member said, oh, really? Is he doing it for England? Oh, God, <laughs> this shivers down my spine. I mean, that's wrong on a number of levels. I mean, where do you even start with that? Oh, I feel like we should just leave it there. But if you've got any overheard Eurovision conversations from your own life, do get in touch. I'd love to hear them. I do love a bit of Eurovision in the wild. I always love some of that. Yeah, get in touch with us at Eurotrip Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. Send us an email as well. Hello at Eurotrippodcast.com. And it's time for the Eurotrip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. Hi, we are Davi Otakamakne, and you're listening to Eurotrip. Eurotrip. 
but I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Melodi Festivalen, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week we're joined by another one of the class of 2022. It's Andrea from North Macedonia. Yeah, when I was on my trip of the Balkans at the weekend, this uh, popped on my Spotify when I was on the bus between Zagreb and Ljubljana. And you know what? I think I think Andrea could could do a lot better than a lot of people think. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of conversation online on Twitter about Andrea recently, about how a lot of people have been thinking that this song is a bit of a grower. So we'll be chatting to her later on this episode about everything. And we'll also hear this from her about how she wants Eurovision to be a platform for bigger things for her. You know, I don't want the biggest achievement in my life to be Eurovision. Like, people will see you and they're going to see what you give them. And that ultimately will result in, okay, I love her. Let's see what else she has. So great to have Andrea on a little bit later. And, of course, she is joined by a whole host of other special guests on this week's episode. As you will come to expect, I have been having a bit of a London Eurovision party debrief with BBC Radio 1's Daniel Rosney. Yeah, very excited to find out what all the goings-on were there. I wasn't lucky enough to have a ticket, but we'll chat to Daniel about that a little bit later on. And, of course, the trek to Turin continues as I spoke with Marcella Gasperdone, who works with the marketing team for Turismo... For Turismo Turi... <laughs> you know I'm keeping this in, yeah? Oh, dearie me. She works for the marketing team. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Are you trying to say she works for the Turin Tourist Board? Yeah, yeah, I am. That's what I'm trying to say. Great. Well, she'll be on later. Anyway, you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. <laughs> I think I figured it out. Turismo. No, that's still not right. Tu... Turismo Torino. It's difficult to say, okay? Turismo Torino. Yeah, although, like I said before, there, you could have just said the, the Turino. Oh, I'm done it now. <laughs> you could have just said the Turin Tourist Board, could you not? It would have solved the last 30 seconds of car crash podcasting, but yeah, I could have done. We'll chat to her a little bit later on. But welcome to this week's episode of the Eurotrip. I am, of course, James, joined by Rob Lilly. You had a very exciting weekend, as you just mentioned, but something very exciting happened, didn't it? It certainly did, yeah. So I mentioned that I was in Zagreb and I was in Ljubljana. Well, the reason that I was in Ljubljana, especially this weekend, was to propose to my girlfriend. So you are talking to the newly engaged Rob Lilly. Uh, did that sound like a little... Party, what do you call them? Party horns? I don't know, what do you call them? Are you okay this week? <laughs> party popper? That's not a party popper, that's the thing that goes... Pah! I'm talking about a... Pah! Yeah, we'll go party horn then. That was a good party popper impression though, do it again. Pah! That wasn't as good, I don't know. But yeah, congratulations, congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, a few of you I saw um, 
who have got me on on social media liked my uh, very soppy tweet about it over the weekend. So uh, yeah, thanks everybody. Uh, so yeah, I I won't let uh, the engagement get in the way of my true love, the Eurovision Song Contest. So yeah, I'll make sure that I get my priorities right, and it won't change anything about our preparations for May. Don't get me wrong. Also, this is just a bugbear of mine, and nothing to do with Eurovision, right? Um, somebody who I spoke to the day after I got engaged, uh, they said to me. Have you got a date yet? Of course I haven't got a date yet. What are you <laughs> about? Got engaged on Saturday. No, I do not have a date yet. Oh, dearie me. God, even though this is one of the happiest moments of your life, you can still find room to be annoyed and aggravated about other things. Well, when uh, when my... Oh, this sounds weird. When my fiancé uh, vetoes the, uh, the Eurovision Megamix at the <laughs> wedding disco, that's when you'll really see me angry. <laughs> Oh, well, anyway, congratulations. I'm sure everybody listening will be sending their congrats to you, Rob. But as you were having a lovely weekend in the Balkans, many of you listening were in fact listening to the podcast in our very special episode with Krista Bjorkman. Of course, we had that exclusive interview with the man who made Melfest what it is and who is currently in the United States doing big things for the American Song Contest. And so many of you have been getting in touch with your reactions. Uh, Chris got in touch on Twitter saying this is absolutely brilliant. Finally getting some answers about exactly how the American Song Contest came about. Uh, Somebody else got in touch saying an awesome interview with Krista Bjorkman about the workings of the American Song Contest. And Michal, who does some amazing things at Eurovision Hub over on YouTube, said, loved it, boys. I need his book ASAP. Come on, those paper supplies. <laughs> yeah, that was the most ridiculous part of that interview, wasn't it? The paper supply issue that's holding up Krista's book is not something I thought we'd hear about as part of that special episode. If you don't know what we're talking about, obviously go back and listen to it if you haven't already. Really, really in-depth chat that James had with Krista Bjorkman all about the American Song Contest, and you also touch on Eurovision as well and Melody Festival, and so definitely go back and have a listen to that. So loads of you getting in touch about that. And also, just a very quick one, uh, thank you to those of you, and by those of you, I mean Victoria, who answered my desperate plea on last week's podcast, because you may remember last week I told you that our email hadn't actually been working, and it took us far too long than we'd like to say to realise. Anyway, it's working again now, so you can email us, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Well, Victoria did so, just to make sure it was working. She sent us an email with the subject line, testing and she said hi james and rob she put your name first and how i feel about that uh she said uh, as requested here is an email to check the inbox is working again i wasn't sure what else to put in this email so here are some eurovision memes i've stolen from various places on the internet enjoy and honestly victoria we have very much enjoyed them very difficult to describe some memes on a podcast but we've got how many here one two three four five six six memes from victoria so uh, victoria thank you very much. So if you've got any other Eurovision memes to share with us or any <laughs> other messages you need to get in touch with us on email, we are hello at eurotrippodcast.com. And of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram. That's at eurotrippodcast. Yeah, as James said there, as Eurovision gets closer, honestly, just just use us as a bit of a sounding board if you want. Just have a thought, wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking about, I don't know, 
Albania staging or what Brooke's going to wear on her feet, send us an email. Hello at yourstrippodcast.com. Do what you like. Yeah, Rob did that to me the other day. What was it? Last Thursday night, it was about 3.25am and you sent me a, a, a very rushed message about uh, about North Macedonia staging, didn't you? What's she going to do? What's she going to do, James? Well, Rob, I can answer that question a little bit later on in today's episode when we catch up with Andrea herself. Yeah, that would have been a lovely segue if any of what you've just said was in fact true. <laughs> well, shall we get on with the news from the World of Eurovision anyway? And this shouldn't take very long at all. The big headline, of course, is that Kalish Orchestra, so Ukraine, will be performing live in Turin. Of course, there was a lot of uncertainty about that as the contest gets closer, but we know that they will be there, they will perform live, and also... They're going to some of the pre-parties as well. They are, at the time that we're recording this, they're in Israel. They're going to perform at Israel Calling this week. If you listen to this on podcast release day on Wednesday, that's on tomorrow night. And of course, Eurovision in Concert as well is on Saturday as well. The pre-parties just keep coming, don't they? We'll be talking London Eurovision with Daniel Rosny in just a sec. James, very excited. Lorene's at Eurovision in Concert this weekend. 10 years since Euphoria. That is astonishing. Great to see that she's making an appearance at some of the pre-parties. Yeah, if you are heading, of course, to uh, Eurovision Concert at the weekend, hope you have a fantastic time. If you're going to Israel Calling as well, hope you have a brilliant one. Let us know anything that you want to tell us that you see on the ground there. Act as our eyes and ears if you want to and get in touch with anything that you fancy. A couple of other headlines, of course, Belgium. There are rumours that they might bring back their selection process for 2023. So that's Eurosong. Uh, YLE, of course, the Finnish broadcaster, they've promised big changes for the Rasmus's staging in Turin so remains to be seen what they have planned for that one and of course credit cards at the ready everybody because Eurovision tickets go on sale again if you listen to this on the day of podcast release tomorrow oh that's when you know Eurovision is really round the corner don't you when tickets go on sale oh I think there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of devices open on Thursday desperately trying to get the tickets they want have you told your brother yet that you may have to mortgage him off to afford a a ticket for the Saturday? Oh, some of the ticket prices. Naturally, it's Eurovision, so some of the tickets are going to be quite expensive. But, whew, God, you're going to need a a lot of spare change if you want to attend the shows this year. Yeah, going to have a lot of Euros. I don't think anyone's got that many spare Euros knocking about. (laughs) I don't know, people have saved up maybe some cash over the last couple of years because most of us haven't had the chance to buy Eurovision tickets for, uh, for a little while. So if you can and you want to, and you're aiming to get some tickets on Thursday, good luck from us. Yeah, good luck. But of course, there has been some more accessible Eurovision events. The pre-parties, as we say, are taking place as we speak. And the most recent one for us was the weekend. In London, it was the London Eurovision party, the return of the event itself. Yeah, with a few changes this year, different venue. Of course, Rylan and Suri were hosting the event as well this weekend, which was fantastic to see. Now, I would normally have been there, of course. I live in London. It wouldn't have been far for me to go, but uh, as have already mentioned, was otherwise engaged. So, <laughs> quite literally. Thought, 
Quite literally, <laughs> I was going to say, excuse the pun, yeah, quite literally, I suppose. Uh, so anyway, we thought we would use somebody else to give us their perspective and their insight as to everything that happened over the weekend. And I hopped on a chat with Daniel Rosney from BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat, huge Eurovision fan, of course, he worked on the Eurovision documentary from BBC Radio 1 Newsbeat that we saw last year. And it was great to get his thoughts on everything that happened over the weekend. And of course, this was the first London Eurovision party for a couple of years. So I asked how nice it was to have it back. It was a really long day. It was a really fun day. It was just so great to be in a room with a bunch of Eurovision fans again and Eurovision artists and to see Eurovision artists interact with each other, to see them interact with fans. And we've not had that for so long. And it's such a special part of the competition. I know that, you know, for for the majority of people that watch Eurovision, they think it's one night in May. But for everybody listening to this podcast, we all know that it's so much more than that. And it was so lovely finally to be able to kind of see that special connection again, because I think lots of us have missed it and you know, for people like James Newman, who, you know, in theory got to represent the United Kingdom twice, has never had that experience, has never been to an LEP before. And it was lovely that he was getting to interact with um, artists this year. He was getting to speak to fans. He was getting to perform um, for Eurovision fans in London, which he's not been able to do before. And that was really lovely to kind of see him finally get the full experience, but but almost in the opposite way, because it normally happens that you get it before you go to Eurovision. <laughs> for the artists who are doing Eurovision for the first time, do you think that actually this pre-party circuit, say the pre-party in London at the weekend, it kind of is the first time they realise almost what they've signed themselves up for? Because some of them, of course, do national finals and their national finals are huge, especially, of course, Cornelia Jacobs, of course, winning Melody Festival, and that's, that's unlike anything else. But for a lot of these artists, they turn up at London Eurovision Party, for example, or maybe Amsterdam this coming weekend, and they go, well, this is bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> completely, completely. And I think it's really lovely when the crowd is singing back the songs to them and the artists, you can see that they weren't expecting that at all. And they're almost like, oh my God, you know our songs. And of course we know that songs, we are Eurovision fans. We know every single lyric to every single song. But it's lovely kind of watching that kind of, manifest itself on stage um and you know that i think for new eurovision artists who might not have been as aware as the competition as some others you know they've had the love on instagram on tiktok on twitter but you can't beat that face-to-face connection and even for returning artists kano were there and you know they they love it and Let's face it, they just know what to do. They know how to work a room. They know how to write amazing pop songs and they know how to perform it. And for the new Eurovision artists sort of the class of 2022, to see a returning act like Hano and for them to see the love that they still have years later, I think gives them a real insight into the Eurovision fandom and how once you're here, it's really hard to leave. Because we won't let you go if we like you. And the perfect example of that is someone that you mentioned earlier as well. James Newman, of course, for the United Kingdom. You know, on the face of it, well, not just on the face of it, we know a very poor result for the United Kingdom last year. But he is still willing to come back. He's still willing to perform members. He's still willing to be part of the Eurovision circus, despite everything that happened, which really speaks volumes, doesn't it? 
I think we've been very fortunate in the UK over the past couple of years that despite not having the best results in the competition, the acts that we do send are really enthusiastic about the competition. And I think James James was brilliant, you know, doing the press over the past two years. And, you know, especially in 2021, when, you know, some, some of the media leading up to the final, when the odds weren't looking great, were kind of quizzing him on, on live television and saying, you know, things like, oh, it doesn't really matter if we do badly. And he said, no, it does matter. You know, he's really passionate about Eurovision and he he loves he loves everybody that loves the contest. And um, it was really lovely watching him uh, hug Sam Ryder and, you know, they had a moment. I know that they know each other outside of the competition, but it's really lovely that I think that he still brings so much enthusiasm to everything that he does that um, involves the song contest because it's so important to lots of us. It's so important to lots of people listening to this podcast but it's really important to him and he, I think he will continue to defend it for many years to come. From one UK app to another then you've mentioned in there Sam Ryder what was he like because we've all seen you know some people will have seen him in person of course some people who were there on Sunday but we've all heard of course his his incredible vocals whether it's on TikTok or wherever it is online but to actually see him perform in the flesh as many fans did for the first time on Sunday and of course you were there what was that like can the uk fans be be hopeful about that i'm in the words of scooch i'm flying the flag i <laughs> i think we've got a really good shot i do say this every year though but <laughs> but i think i think you know it's no secret that there are a few high notes in that song and one of the things that i think he is aware of is the the amount of rehearsals that will go on and, you know, keeping your voice in the, trained and keeping it and taking care of it. And um, especially as as the final gets closer, I, I think I think the Eurovision could be in the United Kingdom next year. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be bold. And I grew up in uh, Manchester, so I'm, I'm championing Manchester 2023. That's my aim. That's my aim. These are my views, not those of my employer. I do have to say that. <laughs> There is one person who I desperately want to qualify, and I do have to um, I do have to put all my cards on the table with this. So I was born in Ireland, but Brooke I think is amazing. I think she's got bags of personality. It's one of my favourite Irish entries in years, and I just really want her to qualify. Um, I think she's in a tough semi, um, but she performed it so well on Sunday and. You know, the crowd was singing back to her and that was that was really, really fun. My actually, my biggest surprise on Sunday was France. That went off and I I hadn't seen that coming. I I think that could be a strong contender for top five. So Daniel, of course, you were there covering it all for BBC Radio One. What what can we expect for, for coverage wise over the next over the next few weeks? It's great that Radio One are getting involved, as always. Well, we're going again, which, you know, I think speaks volumes for how much the competition has changed over the past few years. You know, it's clear that, you know, there is a huge young audience that love the competition. And if you look at all of the artists, they're all young and current artists. So we will be in Italy covering it this year. There'll be digital content to go with that as well. I can't really say too much more about it, but... You know, Sam Ryder's got a lot of love on Radio 1. He um, was on Radio 1, on both Radio 1 and Newsbeat, before it was even announced that he was 
this year's contestant. Um, so we'll definitely be hearing more from him and we'll be hearing from some of the other artists. I think one of the lovely things about it for this year is that it's, you know, 2020 was a write-off for the world across music. 2021 stuff started to come back to normal, but, you know, there was still a lot of COVID restrictions, a lot of fans couldn't travel to Rotterdam. This year, I think will be different. I think this year will be, you know, it's a shame that Sweden had this slogan, but I think it's the year that, you know, we get to come together again. Daniel, it's been brilliant to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do at, uh, at BBC Radio on, of course. And I'll see you in Turin, hopefully. See you there. It's going to be, it's going to be busy. It's going to be fun, though. And I'm nervous. Nervous because you think the UK might do well or...? nervous because you know i'm at this stage now where you know i'm listening to spaceman as i'm walking down the street and i'm planning you know manchester 2023 in my head i have no involvement in bbc eurovision at all (laughs) but you know i've completely who my ideal lineup would be presenting and i just hope that that can happen this is the first year i've been like come on we can we can win this i think the first year since javine And I didn't think we'd get Javine mentioned on today's episode. (laughs) Daniel, thank you so much for chatting. Really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Pleasure as always. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Thanks to Daniel Rosny there for joining us and telling us all about the London Eurovision Party. Very jealous of him and very jealous of everybody who was there at the weekend. My Twitter timeline was just full of pictures and videos throughout the entire day. People meeting artists outside, which is always great to see. The accessibility of some of these events is fantastic. And yeah, it looked like a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable night. One of my favourite things I saw online was a video of uh, Yarnis from City Zerny <laughs> attempting a stage dive, which from my perspective of the videos I've seen, didn't look like it went to plan. Ah, yeah, always a bit of a risk, aren't they, the old dive off the stage, because you are relying on the audience. Dive off the stage? You mean a stage dive? I guess I mean a stage dive, yeah. But yeah, you're you're relying heavily, aren't you, on audience participation for that. If if they aren't quite aware what's about to happen, then yeah, it can go a little bit wrong. Is he okay? Do we know he's all right? It looked like it, it looked like it. Maybe he's got a couple of bruised elbows or something, but yeah, it didn't look, yeah, it didn't. It didn't go to plan, let's put it that way. Fair enough, yeah. I saw Cornelia was there. Uh, Chanel as well with, I mean, quite an outfit for just a pre-party. I mean, it does, the mind boggles what she may or may not be wearing when it comes to you in <laughs> itself. And every time she performs that dance routine, it is flawless, isn't it? I can't wait to see what that looks like. On the Eurovision stage in Turin. And speaking of Turin, it's time for this. Very nicely done. Almost as smooth as James Newman's new blonde locks. Oh, yeah. Did you see that at the weekend? Yeah, look at that. You weren't expecting that, were you? You saw him last year with the brown, black, dark, (laughs) dark hair. This year he turns up at your London Eurovision party. Blonde locks. Yeah, weirdly, uh, wasn't entirely focused on his hair. It was, uh, that was the the least eye-catching part of his performance. (laughs) 
Oh, anyway, let's talk about Turin and let's talk about our trek to Turin. This is, of course, the part of the podcast where we catch up with somebody in the host city of Eurovision 2022 to give you a bit of an insight into what you will expect if you are indeed heading there for Eurovision next month. Now, last week, we caught up with somebody who used to live in Turin. Well, this week, I've gone one better than you, Rob, and I've caught up with Marcella Gaspardone, who works for the marketing team of Turismo Torino. The first time. <laughs> well, well done. done. Well done, me. Yeah, I caught up with her earlier in the week to get a bit of an insight into what this city is like. Now, last week, we were left with one unanswered question, and that was what you actually call people who come from Turin. Now, we did get somebody on Twitter, uh, at Flip Online, thanks for getting in touch, who said, apparently, you call people from Turin, Torinese. Oh, I like that. Well, let's find out if you're correct, because I started off by asking, what do you call people from Turin? The people from Turin are called Torinesi. It's easy, it's not difficult, it's not a different word completely, it's the Torinesi. Turinese. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much for giving us an answer to that one. It's been bugging me for the last seven days, so I'm finally glad to get an answer. Now, we want to find out a little bit more about the city, and one of the things that we found out in the past couple of weeks is about the Eurovision Village. We found out that's going to be at the Parco del Valentino, and that looks like a beautiful part of the city. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, one of the best, the best uh, park in the city centre because Torino is a very green city. Uh, we have the River Po, so it's along the River Po, and this is a very big green area. And in this uh, in this park, there there will be the uh, village with a special program, of course, with the monitor and video, so you can uh, enjoy. But you stay also in a very nice area where you can walk uh, in this park uh, or maybe just make some uh, little excursion uh, in this park that's very close to the city centre of the, of the city. Yeah, very excited to see what sort of events are going to be there. And I'm sure many people listening who are going to be getting their tickets soon will be looking forward to heading to the Eurovision Village. You say it's in the city centre as well. We want to know about places that some people can visit. Now, the guest who joined us last week, one of their big recommendations was the Palazzo Madama. That was one of the big places that they recommended to go. Can you give us maybe some of your recommendations? What places and sites should people be looking out for? Yeah, Estorino is an historical city, was the first capital of Italy. We have a very important historical heritage. So in the city centre, we have uh, uh, some uh, royal residence. So one is the Palazzo Reale, so the royal palace where the king in the past lived. But also we have the Palazzo Madama, is very close to royal palace. This location, of course, are in the main square uh, historical of Torino that's called Piazza Castello. And so, for example, of course, for sure, everyone will come in Torino, will go in this square and looking around or maybe visiting these palaces. But not only, another things to do is to visit the museum, National Museum of Cinema. It's a very trendy museum inside of the Molantoneliana, that is the building that uh, represents Torino. So probably you have uh, seen in Torino this building, uh, it is also in the city centre. 
Beautiful. We've got some fantastic recommendations there. I think people are going to be writing a list of all these things you've been suggesting we go and visit when we get out there. Now, of course, one of the other things that people will be looking for recommendations on as well is places to eat. My co-host Rob is always talking about food, so he is desperate to know for some places to go. And hopefully, maybe you can give us an idea. Do we end up straying away from the stereotypes in Italy of just pasta and pizza? Or is it just a case that that is all you'll find? What can you tell us about the food in the city? Yeah, of course, Italy is uh, is famous for the food, uh, but each region has a different speciality. So, of course, in Torino you can taste a good pizza, but even if pizza is from south of Italy, from Naples, what we have as region, the Piemonte region, uh, we are in Torino especially, we are well known for our chocolate, for example, uh, for um, typical dishes with meat. And two things that I can suggest to taste here in Torino is uh, a good coffee, because uh, we also have many important brands for coffee, and uh, also the producer of uh, our media in Torino. Uh, I don't know if I can tell the name, but there are names of brands very popular in the world, for example, Lavazza or Verniano Coffee. And so we have also very nice historical coffee. So um, I, we use uh, to, to go in this historical coffee and to take a, a, a very good coffee with a, a chocolate. Oh, my mouth is watering just listening to all these different suggestions. I'm so I'm sure everybody else listening as well is just getting a real flavour about what Turin is like. Now, before I let you go, I've got a very important question to ask you as well. We try and find out a little bit more about the Italian language every time we chat to somebody from Turin. So can you give us a word or a phrase that will come in very handy when people head out to Turin Ah, because, you know, ciao is normally when you, everyone to say ciao. Come va? How are you? But one word connected to Torino, I don't know. I don't know at the moment. I have to think about this. <laughs> uh... I've, I've, put you, I've put you on the spot, but you've given us the basics. We didn't talk about the basics with our guest last week. So you've given us some of the, the, the crucial conversation starters that we'll need for, for when people actually head out to Turin. So that's fantastic. So, okay, so normally we say how, how it is, so come va, how he is, come va, so it's typical every day, how are you, come va today, come va oggi. So there you go, when people are listening, head out to Turin and they hear come va all the time, it means how yeah, are you. come va, okay, fine, fantastic. Perfect, perfect, at least we now know how to start a conversation, ciao, come va, thank you so much for giving us that top tip because we haven't found it out just yet uh, thank you so much for joining us you've given us a real insight into turin and hopefully now people are a little bit more clued up about the city for when they head there next month thank you so much for joining us see you very soon don't forget you can get in touch with us on social media we're at Eurotrip podcast A huge thank you to Marcella for joining us there, the second guest on the Trek to Turin this year. We'll have another one next week. Who are we going to have next week? Because so far, we realised, didn't we, while we were listening to that interview, we've had a Marcello and a Marcella. <laughs> are we going to have to go through the vowels? We're going to get a Marcelli, a Marcellu? A Marcellu? <laughs> are we out of vowels at that point? 
There's one more, but I can't work out which one it would be. Anyway, anyway. No. What? There's not that many vowels. Why should, Why is this difficult? Marcello. No? Yeah, we've had him. That one? <laughs> anyway, yes. Anyway, the tricks that you're in will return next week. Probably not with uh, somebody called Marcello or Marcello, I would uh, have to guess. Yeah, we'll find out in seven days' time. But now, shall we catch up with another one of the class of 2022? Of course, last week we caught up with Brooke from Ireland and we brought you another chapter in the We Are Dommy Diary. Of course, they're representing the Czech Republic. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we get the name right? Sorry, it's the We Are open bracket Dommy Diary close bracket. Or yes. is it? No, the We no, Are... the brackets are the other way around. You oh, did them I at the wrong point. Oh, no, I regret interrupting now. What, yeah, what a what a worthful... Worthful? <laughs> worthless. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Shall I, instead of us bickering about this, introduce you to Andrea from North Macedonia? Because if you cast your mind back to the very first week of February, just about two months ago, that is when she found out that she is going to be representing North Macedonia next month at the Eurovision Song Contest. I caught up with her a couple of weeks ago. We talk about what her life has been like since then. Uh, we talk about a man that she calls Massa. Now, that is Alexander Mazevsky, who she wrote the song with, and has also done backing vocals for North Macedonia way back in 2004. So he is a very handy person to have in her corner this year. Funny how these things come around in circles, isn't it? Oh, very good. Very good. Now that was a worthful... I keep saying worthful. <laughs> a worthful inter- interruption. What's that word I'm looking for? Worthwhile? Worthwhile. That's the word I'm looking for. Anyway, shall we catch up with Andrea herself? I started off the conversation by asking her about what it feels like when she remembers she's representing her country at Eurovision this year. It feels surreal. I don't think I don't think I still feel it. I mean, I'm panicking for sure. You know, there's a lot of stress because it's a huge stage, and a lot of people are gonna see it and watch it, and you want to give your best. But um, I'm honestly honored. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I'm very ha- glad that I have it at this very moment. I'm very young. I'm very lucky. So I'm gonna give it my all and have like the best time ever. Has performing always been something you wanted to do? I appreciate you're still very young, so maybe it's not always been something you've wanted to do, but has it always been in the back of your head? Have you always wanted to be on the stage performing? Performing is kind of not scary for me, but honestly, I'm kind of like an introverted person, and when I see like a lot of people in front of me, nah, I like to close myself, which is stupid because I the only place that I can freely express emotions is when I sing and when I perform, so it's kind of... I don't know what's happening. Why did why did God create me this way in, in, in a way, you know? But yeah, like performing when I get on stage and when I do get comfortable, I don't want to go back. Yeah, I, I don't know how you've ended up in this position then. You get quite <laughs> nervous when you see people in the crowd. There's going to be a big crowd in Turin. I, I hope you realise this already, yeah? I, out of sight, out of mind, I, I don't think about it. I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, I practice, so, you know, I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you practice, you cannot bad like that's impossible so give us an idea then about how you ended up in the selection for north macedonia at the eurovision song contest did you well let's take it back to the time when you started to write the song because you've worked with alexander on the song for for eurovision take us back to that moment when you were actually writing it was it a conscious decision there that you thought let's write a song for Eurovision, or was it just let's write a song? What was that initial thought process like? 
Well, I don't know if uh, people know, but that's the uh, circles was written like a year and a half ago. It was definitely not written for Eurovision. Uh, I was going through a difficult time. Uh, and as I said, I don't really like to express emotion. It doesn't really come naturally for me to sit now and talk about my feelings. I, I, I just don't really like that. So I'm glad that I found like uh, an outlet like music that I can do it freely without any judgment. And um, we were in the studio and he, he played the song for me. Like he had a couple of, he had a verse written down and I was like, this is this is literally how I feel. Can you give me like the freedom to write the, the chorus of the song? So we like wrote it down initially. And when we came to the studio, when we were record, recording it, like throughout the whole process, I was getting chills because it was surreal. This song for me, I, I'm honored to say that it, it's my song. I really love it. It's really personal and it, it's it's a part of me, you know? And we were singing it and I sang like the, the, the line, we're running in circles. And we were like looking at each other through the booth and I'm like, this, this is gonna be incredible. And, we, and that's why we didn't release it because we knew subconsciously that it was for something special. And when the opportunity for Eurovision this year came, we were like, maybe, maybe we should send it. Because we did write a song for Eurovision, but it was like, in our own words, it's like too pretentious when you write a song for a particular thing. So we wanted to go with the natural song, which is Circles, and it resonated with people, and I couldn't be happier. What have you done with that other song that you wrote for Eurovision? Are we ever going to hear that, or is that have you hidden that away somewhere? Oh, it's not going to go to waste, for sure, because it's an awesome song, but we're just going to, like, arrange it differently, because, you know, for Eurovision, you have to have a song that's three minutes long, and when you write songs for yourself and you release them, you can make them however long you want. So we're going to release it. It's just going to be a little a different vibe. It's a happy song. It's a very positive song. This is more deeper and darker and emotional. Well, we can look forward to that new one at some <laughs> point. Tell us about what it was like on that night when you found out, you know, when the votes are coming in. Because for the North Macedonian selection, it's a bit different to what we see across Europe because you didn't actually perform the song live on that night. People had been voting beforehand, hadn't they? So what was it like in that studio on that Friday night, when you have to sit around, the other artists are there, and then slowly but surely, the votes and the points start to come in. Is that the most nerve-wracking experience you've ever been through so far? Uh, yeah, I was losing my mind. But I was a lot, and must have like hold my hands, because, you know, I, I truly, really believed that I was gonna win, but I don't want to be overconfident. So I was like, but there's always a chance that you don't. But I like to have the positive and optimistic mindset that I worked for this for a long time. I really want it. I give it my all. Why shouldn't I believe that I'm going to win? You know, that's the sort of mindset. And I was sitting there and we were all shaking, like looking at each other, like who is going to win? Because we really didn't know. First, the votes from the from the jury came in and I, I I I won that one. I was very happy, but I didn't know. So I was like still shaking like the first three were gone. And I'm like, oh my God, now the last two, what are they going to say? And then like the jury votes came in and like, I, I think I came in third from the votes from the public, but I was first from the jury and ultimately like uh, won because in our country, the jury votes are the decider. What was it like overnight? Because... I've been really lucky to speak to a lot of other artists and a lot of them say their life just changes overnight. They win a selection one night and then the next morning, like you say, the phone is blowing up, everybody knows. Was it the same for you where your life just seemed to change in 24 hours? Yeah, I mean, like the most instant change you can tell is by your social media. 
accounts because they like blow up and you have a lot of followers and people are texting you either to hate you or to love you you know doesn't matter uh, but yeah it was it was intense like the first couple of weeks it was super intense because you always want the attention you always want like people to know you for your music and now it's happening and now you don't know how to handle it it's like well that's cool people know me now so i'm gonna try but no it's it's awesome it's awesome honestly like i the the overwhelming support i've gotten since i won it's it's incredible not just for my own country but like now because like the bigger part of europe knows me it's it's incredible they are they are all excited to see me perform on that stage and i'm excited to perform on that stage and it's just gonna be one incredible experience how quickly did you know that you were gonna reshape the song a little bit because you've given it a bit of a revamp since you won and it seemed like it was pretty quickly after you'd won the competition that it was announced you were going to change the song a little bit did you always know that you wanted to change a few little bits just to make it make it perfect uh well as i said the song was written a year and a half ago so it was like three minutes and 48 seconds long so it always had a bridge it always had hard we just took it out so we can make the deadline for the like you know competition here in our country so um when we won we knew that we wanted to bring that part back because as i said i grew up listening to r&b music and um i really love to improvise vocally because i consider myself a vocalist i don't like okay maybe like an artist and i really love to analyze how people sing you know one of my idols are whitney houston lauren hill if i go to pop punk aspect is kaylee williams because Karen was my favorite band and like i i've grown up listening to those really powerful women and like, I really want to have a, a space in my song where I have the freedom to to sing, not words, just sing, so you can feel the emotion that's coming from within. Because I don't think that necessarily is connect with the with the song lyrics. We knew that we had to bring that part back, so that's why it was fast because we already had it. We just needed to find a way to incorporate it back into the song, so it's still three minutes long. So that's like the hardest process of it all. But we did manage to like give it like a little bit of a fresh sound, and. People really like it, and, uh, and that nothing makes me more happy than the people to like my songs because as an artist, as a musician, that's what you live for. So, yeah. You don't want to test my limits, but something tells me you're not listening. Probably you're going crazy, it's all you've been doing lately. You don't want to test my limits, I give you all but you're not How exciting is that going to be for you to get out there to some of these events across Europe and meet the fans? Because like you say, your social media following has gone up, but you don't actually, you don't get to engage with the fans properly face to face. But this is going to be a great opportunity to actually meet the people who are going to be supporting you. Yeah, honestly, it's very incredible. Like, I love how Eurovision fans are super supportive. Like, I think they're like one of the most supporting fan base out there when it comes to an event, you know. And that's that's incredible to me. And I, I keep getting messages like, oh, my God, if you come to London, can you come outside and say hi? And I'm like, am I important? What is what is going on? Uh, it's it, it's amazing because not only get the experience plus the traveling and the adventure and the new friendships you're going to form. It's just like I don't know how to explain it because I don't know if people were, are going to understand as a such a young child. When I was like five, I always dreamt of traveling and performing my music. And now I have the chance to do it. And it's just it's it's surreal now speaking of performing of course the big performance or at least hopefully for you the first big performance is going to be 
in Turin in Italy. Have you ever been to Italy before? Uh, I have, but just for like summer or something. I've been to a couple of places, but I've never been to Turin. Okay, so this is going to be the first time for you in Turin. How excited are you to fly from your home, land in Italy? Is that going to be the moment that it's really going to sink in for you that this whole thing is real? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I sure hope so, because it's time. But um, no, this, this is real. It's obviously real. But like, until I get there on the stage, until I see it and feel the energy of the stage, I don't think it's going to be 100% real. Because right now it's on the back of my mind, like you're going to perform, you're going to perform. But when the time actually comes for me to perform, it's going to be super real. So I'm very excited to go because they gave us like how the things are going to go because then uh, I think we're going to land there on the second and then we're going to have like, I don't know, rehearsals. And then we have three days off to do whatever. So that, it's going to be an amazing experience. As I said, like, I don't know what else to say because I don't know what to expect, but also like that because everything is like everything is anything can happen in your business what's it going to look like for us watching on tv at home can you give us a bit of an idea about visually what it's going to look like or are you bound to secrecy are you not allowed to tell us a thing well it's not that it's not secrecy but um, i have a very specific aspect of how i perform and that's what we're gonna put the accent on like full watch like i think like the experience of watching live watching on screen is very different because what people see live is very different from what, from what we see on the screens. So my, my goal is to be able to perform the song and to, to get my emotion out there to everybody watching. So I have characteristics, what I do when I perform, and I'm very expressive. Is like You can see when I talk. This is what I do when I sing as well. I do this with my hands. I have facial expressions. So that's like my strong suit. So that's what I'm going to use on the stage. How is it going to be placed? I'm not going to say anything about that. Oh, you're going to keep it very secret then. Uh, we'll have to chat again and see if we can get it out of you at some point, because I think people are very excited to, to see what you've got planned on stage in Turin. Uh, you were talking about the goal for you, and, you know, it sounded like the main goal is for you just to get up on that stage and give it your all, give it your absolute best shot. Have you got an idea about what a good result would look like for you? A lot of artists are always going to just say, I want to win. And of course you want to win. But have you got, you know, what is the big goal for you? Or is it to win? Honestly, Are you just going to tell me it's to win as well? Uh, no. Uh, because I, I, I don't focus on that. Like, obviously, obviously I'm going to get into the final. Like, who doesn't? I mean, that's, that's going to be incredible. But for me, I look at Eurovision as a step forward in my career. You know, I don't want the biggest achievement in my life to be Eurovision. Like, people will see you. And they're going to see what you give them. And that ultimately will result in, okay, I love her. Let's see what else she has. So my goal is like to give it my all in Eurovision just because I want to have something to give after it. And I'm, I haven't stopped working, even though like priority is Eurovision right now. I, I truly want to like put out an album, which I have like already in the making. So I just want to, to show myself in the best light because I want people to believe in me as much as I believe in my project and believe in myself. Yeah, well, we saw the success of Monoskin last year and they've just gone on to worldwide success. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying Eurovision is the first step because I think that is a fantastic way of looking at it. And also, people are going to be desperate to hear that extra secret song as well. So people are going to be queuing up to be hearing that. 
I have, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love how people are acting like, because I, I, Circles is a very amazing song, but also I'm a very diverse artist. So when you like open my Spotify page, you can find like seven different songs that are very different in genres. So that's interesting to me because I, I like to experiment a lot to see where I find myself. Because as I said at the beginning, I'm very young and I don't know what kind of music I'm going to make in five years. But right now I have the freedom to do everything. So why not just take it? Precisely. What a great mentality that is. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. I really just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And naturally, I wish you the very best of luck for Turin. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And thank you. Hopefully I will be amazing. Well, let's hope so. I hope Andrea will be awesome. Good luck to North Macedonia at Eurovision next year. And brilliant to have her on the podcast. Do uh, you said next year? You don't want to wish her good luck for this year? Well, who knows? She might come back in 2023. You don't know that I'm wrong. <laughs> and she did also say she has that other song that she wrote specifically for Eurovision, but chose a different song instead. So maybe if she does want to come back, she's got that song in her back pocket, ready and waiting. But yeah, good luck to her for next month is what I think you were trying to say. That is what I was trying to say. And that was a worthful, sorry, worthwhile interruption <laughs> from you. Yes, but thanks to Andrea for joining us. We'll have another one of the class of 2022 next week. But before we wrap up today's podcast, don't go turning off just yet because we've still got the small matter of the one second song. We certainly do. Now, I currently have an unassailable lead. So even if you get the full four points this week, you will not catch up with me. It's currently Rob 25, James 20. But do you want to have a listen? For the first time, here's this week's one second song. Oh, I mean, let me let the listeners in on a little secret. Before we started recording, uh, Rob said, this is an easy four-pointer for you this week, James. And, and are you agreeing with me? Have you got the four? It was instantly recognisable. I do need to have a quick think about it just to make sure I'm going to get the four points. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. But let's have one more listen. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get three points. I've been having to think there. And the artist name is... The stumbling point. Oh no. Okay, right. Well, just to remind everyone at home, you don't need reminding, I know you know this already. We are after the name of the artist, the name of the song, the country that they were representing, and the year in which they represented their country at the Eurovision Song Contest. Four points on offer in the one second song. James has to try and guess all of those things from the very first second of the song, which we've already heard. James, how are you feeling? Right, I'm going to dive straight into it. It's 2019, it's Spain, the song is called La Venda, and the artist, is he called Mickey? Mickey, Mickey, ah man, alive, Mickey, it's something like Nunes, is he called Mickey Nunes? He is called Mickey Nunes! Hey, set the party horn off, oh, I forgot how to do that noise now. <laughs> Is Mickey Nunez with Lavender for Spain in 2019. Let's have a listen. Te compran porque te vendes. Te vendes porque te sobras. Te pierdes porque hay camino. Te digo, hay otras cosas. Te sales porque te quieres. Venda ya cayó. Y 
this week? Yeah, it brings me back into the game. So the points are now 25 for me. No. No? 25 for me, 24 for you. No, I was on 21 before, wasn't I? You weren't. No, I was on 21 last week, and then I got four. So now I'm on 25, and you're on 20. And now you got four, so you're on 24. Okay, I'm not too sure that corresponds with what you said before. Maybe, it, it certainly does. Right, last week, <laughs> I got four points, which pushed me on to 25. You are still on 20, and now you've got four, so you're on 24. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to press that rewind 15 second oh. button a few times, just to be sure. But anyway, what we are trying to say is, brings me back into the game. It certainly does. Would you like to know the tenuous link to this week's podcast? And it is, once again... Very tenuous, very quick, very straightforward. Let's go for it. Dive straight in. So, the tenuous link to this week's podcast, we heard, of course, from Andrea from North Macedonia. Uh, Did you know that she is a big fan of martial arts? I didn't. No, she didn't mention it. Well, another big fan of martial arts, uh, specifically taekwondo, is uh, Mickey from Spain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. That's literally it. He also loves martial arts. Oh, tremendous. Maybe we can get them into a... A ring a, together? A, what do you call it? A duel? They can have a, a duel? A, I don't know. A battle. <laughs> I don't think they call it a battle, but I, I like to think they do. Oh, I'd pay good money for that. But never mind. It brings me back into the game. I've got four points on the board. Hopefully you got some points as well listening at home. We'll have another chance with the One Second Song next week in seven days' time with the next episode of the Eurotrip. Yes, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who joined us on this week's episode. To Daniel Rosney from BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat. Thank you to Andrea, of course, we've already mentioned her. And also, James, thank you to... Marcella Gasparone from Turismo Torino. Look at you now, you can say it straight away, just like that. First take Timmy over there. (laughs) Practice makes perfect. And most importantly... Thanks, of course, to you for listening all the way through. Don't forget, we'll be back in seven days with a brand new episode. But until then, you can keep up to date with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read all of our exclusive stories over on EurotripPodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, I hope you have a great time if you get into any of the Eurovision pre-parties over the next few days. Good luck getting tickets. And goodbye. In fact, are you called Robert? I am called Robert, yeah. Wow. God, nearly two years into the podcast and I finally found it out. <laughs> yeah, the full thing. Uh, who calls me that? My mum uh, and my aunt. Uh, my aunt, um, ironically, just for kicks, calls me, um, calls me Bobby sometimes. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.